It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 817 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers. Please leave a rating or a review. It's very much appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Built, Built Bar. Blah, blah, blah. BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to find. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. More on them a little bit later on in the show. All right. On today's show, we are... Continuing, I guess, what is a tradition now at this point? It's the third year of it, so I believe that makes it a tradition. It is Ranking Every Raptor, the annual post I write for RaptorsHQ.com, where I, for some reason, a couple years back, decided I wanted to rank all of the then 220 players in Raptors history. It has now expanded to 238. It is a very stupid exercise, but because I have brain worms and because I can't leave something incomplete or outdated, I will be updating this thing until I'm dead, I'm sure. And so it gives us a couple days of content every year, which is nice. Um, for those who are not familiar, uh, it's just a ranking from lowest to highest of all the players in Raptors history. Little blurbs on the new additions to the ranking list, as well as some blurbs on some other folks who maybe popped up in the news over the course of the year. But it's uh, it's like a running document, a run- running ranking of all of the players to have played for the Raptors. And I'm glad I did the main one when it was like 220 players as opposed to, uh, you know, waiting till it got to like 500 because that would have been far too much work. So we continue with the running document, continuing with the running ranking uh, this year with part three. The first part came up today, uh, dropped at RaptorsHQ.com. It uh, covers players number 238 through 76. The top 75 will be tomorrow, and we'll talk about those on tomorrow's podcast. But today, we're going to talk about the first half of the ranking, which includes 11 players from this year's Raptors team. And joining me to quibble with my selections and to tell me how wrong I am, it is our pal Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Had a good weekend. Had a good start to this Monday. Watched some cricket. My team, RCB, is through to the playoffs. They missed the playoffs by a long way last year, so I'm pretty happy about it. I'm happy for you, man. You you got Man United letting you down all the time, so it's nice to have a, a team in your life making you happy. Oh, yeah. Sunday Sunday <laughs> was brutal with Manchester United losing to Arsenal. Um, Ugh, the worst. Yeah. So, yeah, if you, if you want to listen to more on that, you can... 
check out Red Couch Manx. That's the podcast that I've started with my buddy Carl. And we have post-match analysis after every match. And you can listen to it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate a listen. And if you enjoy it, go ahead and subscribe. I must say you're getting very, very good at the plugging of your of your podcast. It's professional stuff. It's like you've been at it for years. It's, uh, it's tight. <laughs> it's to the point. It gives all the information in a quick amount of time. It's not uh, overly self-important. It's beautiful. Good job. I cannot claim to be as good at plugging my own stuff on other people's podcasts. Uh, all right, Big V, let's dive into this here. Uh, as I said, it's the first, uh, I guess, I don't want to do the math, 238 to 76, whatever that math is, whatever that number of people is uh, here in the Ranking Every Raptor update number 3.0. And again, 11 players from this year's Raptors team uh, figure into this section of the rankings. The other seven we'll get to tomorrow. All, I think, fall in the top 25 all-time Raptors, which is pretty mm. cool, but also is kind of the side effect of being on not only a championship team, but an extremely good and fun run-it-back team as well. So we get to that in uh, tomorrow's episode, also with Big V. But today, let's dive into this first part of the rankings. Uh, this includes names like Shimori Pons, a.k.a. Shimori Pounds, if you are Matt Devlin in the Japan preseason game. You've got Derwan Hernandez. You've got uh, Matt Thomas, Stanley Johnson, Paul Watson Jr., O'Shea Brissett, uh, Malcolm Miller, Patrick McCaw. I've put them all over these different rankings. The highest ranking player of this bunch is Rondé Hollis Jefferson at 76, followed by Terrence Davis at 84, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, Chris Boucher at 88, followed by Matt Thomas at 109. Uh, Patrick McCaw, 135. Malcolm Miller, 152. O'Shea Brissett, 177, Watson Jr., 184, Stanley Johnson, 195, uh, Dewan at 213, and then Shamori Pons at 228. On this ranking, Vivek, do you have a thing that stands out to you as perhaps an egregious oversight on my part? The thing that you were a little more confused about having read through the post? Uh, yeah, I think there were a couple that I had questions about. And... I think Malcolm Miller was one that I thought was maybe uh, higher than I expected him to okay. be. I didn't think in terms of what they've actually been able to produce when they've been on the court. I didn't think uh, Malcolm Miller should have been too far away from O'Shea Brissett. Mm -hmm. I know obviously Miller has been around longer, but in some ways that's almost added to the disappointment for me. Right. Because, with Miller, I think the frustration that the coaching staff has felt with him is that he just hasn't been assertive enough on the offensive end for mm -hmm. someone who is such a good shooter. And I think that's been a concern. And so I feel like if he was more assertive on that end with looking for his own offense, uh, and, he's a, and he's such a good team guy, that that's mainly what he looks to do and just stay within everything the team is trying to do and sometimes he needs to step outside of that and you you look at the players who tend to get more opportunity it's the ones who sort of say okay i'm here i'm going to take over the reins when i feel like i need to and so that has sort of fueled a bit of my disappointment with malcolm miller because again initially I, I i think i was still covering the 905 his first mm -hmm. 905 season and i was excited about him and it just hasn't panned out in terms of churning out more of an NBA opportunity. 
That's interesting. So, yeah, I have Malcolm Miller at 152, sandwiched in between Marcus Banks and Dion Glover. And he's next to Marcus Banks for a reason, which I'll get to in a sec. Um, I have O'Shea Brissett at 177. So, yeah, 25 spot difference there. And it is worth pointing out that at this part of the ranking, it's a lot of guys who played like a handful of games for the team, didn't do a ton in the way of important accomplishments or anything like that. Um, With Miller, the reason I have him a little higher, A, he's, you know, he's got three years with the team now. He's got the ring, even though he didn't really play in the championship season. Um, And he for me had a pretty standout moment this year when he was part of that five man lineup that came back from down 30 against Dallas, which, you know, when you're splitting hairs, this insignificant among all of these guys, like a standout game like that really, really kind of matters. And so that's why he got a bit of a bump for me. And I also think, well, I see your Dallas game Mm -hmm. and I will raise you O'Shea's Boston game. Cause I thought he, he was awesome in that game. That's a good point. This was the Christmas revenge game, right? On the 28th of mm-hmm. December. The, yeah. the Patrick McCaw game. That's also, yeah, Patrick McCaw. He saw a big bump this year, mostly because of that game and that game only. But um, yeah, I, I guess my thing with Miller is that, you know, just more games played than Brissett. I mean, Brissett's only played 19. Miller's played 53 over the course of three seasons, which honestly, the reason he's next to Marcus Banks is for some sort of symmetry because I do find his career is very similar to Marcus Banks with the Raptors where he was on the team for three years, played like 40 Hmm. games and didn't really do a whole lot. Um, So I just kind of wanted that symmetry. But also I think a lot of Miller's lack of playing time has been kind of due to just the circumstances on the team and the fact that he hasn't had much wiggle room to get into the lineup. I mean, I guess this year you could argue he could have considering they were hurt as hell, but when you look at the championship season, I mean, they had Kawhi and OG and Obi on the wings. They weren't going to play Malcolm Miller when OG was out in the playoffs and there was just no minutes there at the three for him pretty much at any point during the season. And then when you got into, um, you know, when you, when you get into just sort of like he's been on the team for three years, he started those games in the back half of the 2017, uh, 18 season, I believe it was for the, he had that one game in Indiana, I believe where he yeah. defended Victor Oladipo yep. and he made a couple of threes. And I, th- I thought that was probably his best game in a Raptor uniform. Yeah. So like he's had a few games here and there. And I also wanted to give him a boost because he seems like a really good dude. And like that matters when you're at this part of the ranking as well. Like, are you a memorably nice guy? And I think Malcolm Miller was that, you know, obviously there's certainly some onus on him for not playing up to a more sort of aggressive level, which I think would get him more minutes, but also I just don't know if he's ever gotten really enough fair shake of time in the lineup in non garbage time to really have any sort of sense as to whether or not he's a good NBA player. And I just, um, yeah, I feel like it's been a bit of a bit of a missed opportunity on both ends. If we're being honest, like I think it comes from both sides. Uh, so yeah, I might be a little bit too generous with the 152 for Miller, but I think, the three years of equity with the team. Maybe I factor in some G league stuff just because he's been on that team and been part of it as well. Sort of in my subconscious thinking, even though the G league stats don't really play into this, I, you know, I could have been a little bit more sort of uh, mean about it, I guess, and put him closer to Brissett. But I I do think for sure, Brissett's going to pass Miller this coming season. I would be pretty shocked if he doesn't considering the Raptors are going to be kind of in a fact finding mode, right? Where they're going to be trying to figure out, okay, 
is Brissett something? Is Watson something? Is Dewan Hernandez something that we can have on this team when hopefully we've you know ensnared a big free agent in 2021? You know, I think they're going to have to figure out what all these guys are to see if they can be those sort of cheap around the fringes type guys going forward. Would you agree that Brissett's probably in line for a big jump next year? I think so. I think there's a path there and at least enough to surpass Malcolm Miller's career as a Raptor. I do agree with you, though. If you factor in the off-court stuff, I do think Malcolm Miller has been extremely well-spoken, especially with all the racial injustice. Yes. And he had that awesome story that was out a couple of months ago, I believe. And so if you factor all that stuff in, then, then yeah, I think there is a valid claim there. I think we can move on to the next bone I have to pick, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's get to that after we talk about Built Bar, which if uh, you've ever had a Built Bar, you know it's the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try, and you should get it. Go get it right now. Uh, right now, they have six new flavors as well, joining their original complement of 12 play- uh, flavors. They've got, I called it players. It's not players, it's flavors, although I guess you could you know, organize them in a lineup if you wanted to be weird. Uh, the new flavors include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, uh, and then it joins their original set of flavors that include salted caramel orange toffee almond peanut butter brownie whole bunch of great flavors in that mix as well bars are covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew as well they're also great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and they're great for keto diets as well i find the built bars are great when i'm going for one of my very sporadic workouts i don't want to bog myself down with like a big lunch or anything like that have a built bar before i go and i feel pretty energized to go and uh, go for a bike ride or something like that and right now when you go to builtbar.com you're gonna get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last this is uh, only while supplies last so get on it quickly right now go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on to get that free cooler as well as 20 percent off your next order that's the promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, you mentioned before the break that you have a bone to pick with me. What is this bone? Go ahead and pick it. So this is actually peak Alex Wong content because <laughs> I think Matt Thomas should actually be above Jeremy Lin. Ah, okay. So the, the problem with this ranking is that when I do sort of weird sentimental picks, it, I like write them up the previous year and sort of justify it. And then when I write it up the next year, I don't do a blurb on the people who are already in there who didn't play for the team this year. And so the, the context is lost a little bit as to why certain players are so high. Like I have Peja Stojakovic at number 70 uh, and we'll be at number 70 again, I believe this year, because there's no movement in the top 75. And it's because he's just like hilariously the all-time leader in PER on the team for after two games. Like it's not that he did anything special. It's just a fun little stupid thing. And it doesn't really matter at that point in the ranking. So I drop him in there. Same goes for like Ben Uzo. Like I dropped Ben Uzo in pretty high just because he had the triple double in that one game that changed the course of Raptors history in a lot of ways. Um, And with Jeremy Lin, I put him at 100 last year because 
I just thought it was really cool that he won a title and I was very happy for him. I was very happy for Jeremy Lin fans out there. And you know, there's lots of those and it was just a, a cool feel good story. Although I understand that. Yes. Matt Thomas was objectively better than Jeremy Lin. There you go. So I don't, I don't have much to quibble with anymore. I think we're all on the same page. Matt Thomas has been the better player. Sean, are you still alive? What's going on? Yeah, I'm good. I just, uh, I've been talking a lot today. I was on morning radio, then I was on another person's podcast, now doing this one. So my vocal cords are uh, basically like pulled pork at this point. So uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Matt Thomas, I do want to talk about him a bit in terms of like, I mean, he's going to be one of those fact finding individuals. Totally. Yeah. Um, he's at 109 right now, by the way, I should state, uh, currently sandwiched between 110 Lucas Noguera and 108 Reggie Evans. I did have a tough time with Thomas. I had him a little bit higher and then I didn't like, I, I think I originally had him between Chris Humphreys and Tyler Hansborough between 101 and 100. So he would have been 101 and I just, I couldn't mm. put him ahead of Chuck Hayes. I probably should have put him ahead of Jeremy Lynn now that I look at the, the list here, but, um, you know. I can't go back and change it. It's here forever. You can't go back into the SMS on a, uh, <laughs> on, a on a site and fix anything. What are you talking about? Editing? No. Um, I also think like there's lots of like Thomas is one of these like a guys. Pops where, at 104. I love Pops Mitsubansu. How could you not? He's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a real sort of fan favorite range, honestly. Bebe, Matt Thomas, Reggie Evans, Derek, Derek Martin, Martin Steve Novak, yeah. Derek Martin forever, man. Keeping up that three-point streak, that meaningless yeah. three-point streak when the Raptors literally had nothing else to, to to keep up. Quite frankly, the most important three in Raptors history, I would argue. Um. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was that guy OG that hit a certain three-pointer. Yeah, it was fine. They ended up losing the series. <laughs> so did it even count? Uh, no, I'm not one of those. Wow, Emma, Emma is going to be coming for you, man. I'm not one of those monsters, okay? That three was amazing. <laughs> Derek Martin... For the real ones, that's an all-time three in Raptors history. Um, but yeah, with Thomas, like I, I feel like he's gonna jump for sure. I think there might be a bit of like a, an inflation of his sort of standing within the team just because he was such like a media darling this year. Shout out to Alex for his power in moving him up the rankings. Um, you know, he only played 41 games. He didn't do a ton until the bubble, frankly. You know, there there were a lot of games where he wasn't even in there. And you know, yes, he played some in the playoffs a little bit here and there, but it was pretty sporadic when you think back on it. It seems like he played a lot more than he actually did. And so that's why I'm a little hesitant to give him like top 100 status. But at 109, like he's with a decent season next year as like a regular bench guy. I mean, he's moving up at least 20 spots, I would say. Wow. Yeah. No, I, th- I think I definitely see a path to that. I think the main thing that would get in the way of that is uh, the Fred Van Fleet free agency, right? He comes back yeah. as a Raptor. You have him and Kyle together. That's going to eat up a significant chunk of the backcourt minutes. And so, uh, you know, how, how much he gets to play in those staggered minutes is going to be interesting to see, but there should definitely be a path to more minutes for Matt Thomas. And, Again, just the way he plays, the, the strides he made defensively from where he was right at the start. Remember on that West Coast trip, oh, the yeah. first one of the year, where he just had no clue where to be and was just, you know, running in every direction. And uh, I think for him to be in that playoff series against Boston, to be trusted to that level, shows the strides he made, and that you know you can sort of work him in 
in a zone defense scheme in a high leverage moment, I think that that's going to lend to him becoming way more important this upcoming season. And yeah, that shooting, that, that shooting is always going to be there. Yeah, man. As apparently the uh, off class 18 footers will also be there forever. Cause I don't mm. think he missed a single one of those this year. One of my favorite shots that any Raptor has in their bag. It's a, uh, mm. it's a lot of fun, even though it's not a three, it's still uh, quite satisfying it's to see. Extremely that pretty. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you don't have any quibbles with me putting Matt Thomas ahead of Patrick McCaw then? No, uh, I really don't. I, I think with Pat McCaw, I mean, I guess realistically he should be there because of the fact that he's been a part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever Nick Nurse talks about his rotation, Pat McCaw is always a part of it. And he's been a, a you know contributor uh, to a greater degree than Matt Thomas has. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, if so, if so, if someone gives me the choice of the two players, I'm probably leaning Matt Thomas. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I attended all of my grade twelve advanced functions classes. Doesn't mean I was useful in them or did anything good. That's kind of the Patrick McCaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so there it's, we go. Yeah, so. I, I think McCaw, yes, probably just Mr. like three beat, though. Yeah. And, hey, they have Mr. not yet time. lost a title with a uh, healthy Patrick McCaw. So you always have that if you're the Raptors and Patrick McCaw, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's honestly weird because it seems like McCaw's played more games than he has as well because it feels like we've collectively eye-rolled at the number of minutes he's played far more than just 63 times. But uh, that's, that's all he's played. He's only played 14 more games than Thomas. And I think Thomas in his minutes has been far more productive than Patrick McCaw is because Patrick McCaw uh, never wants to shoot ever. (laughs) And that turns out to be a bit of a problem. I think when you are an NBA basketball player, like his, his peak of like success this year was there was a stretch where they had some weird ass bench lineup. They were rolling out. That was winning every stretch over like five minutes, like two, nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like good job on the defense, I guess. But it, it you know at some point a bucket or two would be nice and so yeah i i feel pretty comfortable putting thomas ahead of mccaw mccaw probably deserves a little bit better than 135 you might be something closer to 120 or so but i think just like the general frustration with watching him probably played into where i stuck him in this one right um, I, and i wouldn't have guessed that at all just a 14 game difference between the yeah, two yeah i thought it would have been more than that I mean, he only played like 30-something games this year because he was so hurt, right? Like, it was, Yeah, it was yeah. constantly out of the lineup. Even though Now that I think about it, it makes sense. But those Nick, 37 games felt like 80. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and for <laughs> Nick Nurse, they felt like uh, five. He just you know, he wanted, he just wants more Patrick McCaw. The time can't go slowly enough with Patrick McCaw's up there. He just loves his work. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll continue on. We'll get to the higher part of this ranking here with uh, some guys who are big, meaningful parts of the Raptors rotation this season who make their first appearances. Or in the case of Chris Boucher, makes an enormous jump in the rankings, the highest jump of any team, any, any player in the rankings this year. We'll get to those in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to go and check out Locked on NBA as the NBA draft is coming up. Lots of great stuff over there on Locked on NBA as they are covering things daily. Not just the draft, though. Also, the plans for a potential NBA return. All the stuff going on around the league. Go check out Locked on NBA every single day with a rotating cast of local hosts from the Locked on Network. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, let's close this thing out with the three big names who are uh, ranked here. Uh, We get into the top 100 with Chris Boucher at number 88, followed by Terrence Davis at number 84, and then Rhonda Hellish Jefferson at number 76. First of all, I want to address Davis. Not happy to be writing a blurb about Terrence Davis in this, honestly, um, considering recent events. I don't think he should be on the team anymore. I think the Raptors have more than enough cause to move on from him and not guarantee his contract for next year. And I frankly think if we're talking about him in the rankings at this point next year, it's probably an indictment of the Raptors and the things they kind of profess to stand for. And so all of this conversation about where he is in the rankings uh, does not matter in the face of the crimes he is accused of committing. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, still, he played for the Raptors this season, so he figures into this exercise. Uh, but between these three guys, Boucher at 88, Davis at 84, Rondé at 76, any quibbles, anything that I got glaringly wrong here, Big V? Um, so with Terrence Davis, if we're just looking purely at the on-court results, him versus Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I mm. completely get where you're coming from in terms of Rondé being used more and uh, being a bit better, bigger part of the team. But I think a lot of that also stemmed from there not really being an adequate backup option. Right. And so for me, for Terrence to earn the opportunity he earned, despite having to compete for minutes with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell and Matt Thomas, I think that stands out to me more than Rondé. And so between the two players just on court, I would pick Terrence ahead of Rondé. Mm-hmm. But again, if we factor in the off-court stuff, I'm probably putting him at the bottom of the list next to Lonzo. Yeah. Lonzo Morning and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, it, it, it's it probably there was some subconscious part of me that did not want to put Terrence Davis highest amongst these people just because... Uh, Fuck that. Uh, I don't have time for That's entirely fair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The thing with Rondé is that, like, maybe he wasn't necessarily better than Davis in terms of, like, impact on winning and sort of those advanced metrics that you look at. But I do think he was clearly more trusted by Nick Nurse. And, you know, none of these guys were trusted in the playoffs at all. And that was ultimately kind of the downfall of the team is they didn't have enough guys to sort of fill out the minutes and they got exhausted. But, like, I think Rondé, the way he played defense – and like always brought it on that end the way he really responded to Nick nurse when he called everybody out for being bad at defense at the top, at least him and like Stanley Johnson. Um, and the way he kind of carved out a rotation spot after very clearly being in the doghouse early on was really impressive and just the different ways they used him and sort of, you know, I, I think if you took Terrence Davis and Rondi Hollis Jefferson off the team entirely, like I think the Raptors lose more games without Rondé than they would without Terrence Davis this year, just because the injuries necessitated Rondé to be in there a bunch and to play center against Carl Anthony Towns and soak up a ton of minutes in the front court that they really needed soaked up. 
that they never really had the same need for in the backcourt. Yes, they had some injuries to Norm and Kyle here and there, but for the most part, they were much healthier with their guards than they were with their forwards. And so, like, while Rondé's probably a worse basketball player, I think he was more important to the Raptors racking up the wins they did and sort of surviving those injuries. And, like, I, I think it's very reasonable to say that without Rondé and Chris Boucher, we're probably looking at a much different sort of approach to the trade deadline, whether or not they actually make any moves to sort of strip down a little bit. We don't, I don't, we don't I have no idea, but like the conversation was never even one to have this year because they were so good. But if not for Rondé and Boucher in that early part of the season and whenever the Raptors were hurt, I kind of think we're probably looking at that question as to, do you continue running it back a little bit more seriously and, and look at potentially trading some of the expiring guys just because I don't think they would have won nearly as many games without those guys. Does that make sense? I hear that, but I think that opens up an interesting what if, because if you're looking at the minutes Rondé played and okay, yeah, there were those spot minutes that he played at center. There was a start he had against Carl Anthony Towns, but you look at those power forward minutes, I think there's an entertaining what if for O'Shea Brissett getting those minutes instead, Huh? because let's face it, O'Shea doesn't have much of a shot. Rondé couldn't finish anything inside anyway. <laughs> and so I think there is the possibility that O'Shea might be further down his career de- development if he was getting those minutes instead. And when it comes to re-signing Rondé, that might be something that they need to think about where it's, you know, how much are we hindering the growth of O'Shea by, re- by bringing Rondé back? Yeah, I don't think Roddy's back. I really don't. I think yeah. like not playing in the playoffs, I think mm-hmm. the fact that some team out there will probably look at what he did this year and say, all right, here's a couple of years for like the mini mid-level or something like, not the mini mid-level, but maybe like, you know, the biannual exception or something like that, like a little bit more than the minimum. Right. I wonder if, you know, that like that would put the Raptors out. I don't think the Raptors want anything more than a one-year deal on a minimum for Rondé. And they'll just look for a similar sort of post-type guy like him to fill in that spot or at a different position. Um, and I'm with you, like, you know, O'Shea, very, very good defender. I don't know if he's the same like passer that Rondé was. And yes, Rondé always completed his passes while halfway falling to the ground, but he was a pretty decent playmaker and like could do some stuff on the short roll and whatnot. And sometimes they had to make him play point guard because he was, the, <laughs> it was the only way to like not have his shooting, bring the entire roster down when he was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is an interesting point for sure. I mean, you also have to factor in O'Shea was on a two way and his 45 days were burned up pretty quickly and they could have converted him certainly, but I wonder if, uh, you know, how that plays into it all, but yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I, um, I don't think you're totally wrong in terms of Boucher. We should touch on him before we wrap up. Yeah. He climbs from 172 all the way to 88. Uh, which again, not hard to do considering Raptors history. <laughs> He's currently 88, one spot ahead of Juan Dixon and one behind Ed Pinckney in the same region as Zantabak and Linus Kleza, uh, Marco Bellinelli, Antoine Wright, kind of in there. Um, I, I was so sure at the start of the year that Boucher was not an NBA player <laughs> and tweeted as much the night he became an NBA player against the Lakers. Um, he obviously became a pretty decent rotation player. wasn't trusted in the playoffs or anything like that. But, you know, in terms of next season, Vivek, like the road to him climbing in the standings up into like the top 70 or something like that. Is that something you think he's capable of like expanding upon his game 
to offer more to the Raptors, or is he kind of just going to be what we saw this year? He's like 27. He's kind of not really at like the the ground floor of his like development arc or anything like that. And if so, if he's just the same player, is that still a useful player for the Raptors next season? I think the same player is a useful player for the Raptors next season, especially if you're only able to bring back one of Mark or Serge Ibaka, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's the biggest question mark heading into this offseason is who's going to be back at that center position? What's the depth going to look like? And I'd like to think Chris Boucher will continue to improve. He obviously made significant strides from last season to this season. And I think that continuity will help him if he is back as well. And so, yeah, I think there maybe is a path to him cracking through because yeah, if, if Rondé is the one at 76, you think about CJ Miles at 77, LeBron Murray at 78, there's a path to move up there for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, his rim running got better. I think, again, the biggest question mark is going to be defensively uh, his positional sense, his understanding of the defensive schemes that Nick Nurse is trying to run out there. I mean, there, there were plays that we even saw in the bubble where you can see the bench literally yelling at him for where he needs to be, and <laughs> he's just not there at all. And uh, I specifically remember one buzzer beater that the Raptors gave up uh, at halftime, and you could just see Kyle Lowry's frustration where Boucher was supposed to show high off uh, a high screen and just didn't at all. And Lowry's, you know, Lowry gets screened out, and he's just like, what happened there? And so things like that, that, that's the main stuff that he needs to cut out. And that's the main stuff that he needs to improve at. Because offensively, I mean, he's an entertaining highlight reel, right? It's either three-pointers and dunks. And then obviously he gets the block shots on the other end as well. Mm. But uh, just a bit more, uh, just cutting out those raw mistakes is what I want to see out of him next season. Yeah, I kind of think even if he doesn't improve on the stuff he needs to improve on to become like a you know, guy you can trust in a playoff series or something like that. Like I'm still totally fine with Chris Boucher getting a lot of run in the regular season, because as I made the point of in the post, he's the kind of guy who just like brings chaos to any game, which in the middle of the regular season, when it's just like a random night that doesn't quite matter, having that element is super fun. I like to watch him uh, jack every three, whenever the ball touches his hands, I like to watch him, play like a maniac and run the floor and like try to throw down put back dunk city misses by a mile like it's fun as hell i (laughs) the effectiveness and the impact on winning be damned frankly in a lot of the cases that boucher is really fun in and it's not like he had that game winning dunk either right he did he did yeah he's not ever like overexposed which i guess could happen if surge were to leave or they don't bring in a center and maybe he gets hurt or someone gets hurt or whatever but um you know in the role he was in this year is like the ninth or tenth man Totally down. He's yeah. very, very fun, and I uh, I like it quite a bit. The question I, is, is he down for that too, right? Yeah, to be yeah. the third string big once True. again. I will say, uh, I we didn't really talk about Dewan Hernandez, and we're running out of time here, but Dewan Hernandez I had ranked at 213. Um, you know, he didn't play much. It was kind of a lost year for him injury-wise. It's two straight lost years now with uh, the injury this year and the NCAA being a fucking scam uh, the year before. Um and so I don't really know what Dewan's going to be. Maybe he's nothing. Maybe he's something. I don't know. 
I feel like if there's no G League season this year, there's a good chance he'll get some run just being thrown to the wolves as it is a fact-finding season for the Raptors. And maybe that helps him. Maybe that hurts him. I don't know. But I, I think there's a world in which Dewan Hernandez becomes the backup center by the end of next season, just as a more reliable, sort of well-rounded player than Chris Boucher, who, again, is just a very erratic wild card. Do you think that is crazy of me to suggest? I prefer to see him in the third string big role. Mm-hmm. I, I I think putting him as the backup center next season might be a bit too much too soon. I'm not saying yeah. at the start. I think like by the end of the year, basically. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I, I would be thoroughly impressed if he earns his way to being the backup center by the end of next season. I think he's, you know, strength-wise, I think he's got a bit more developing to do. And... I don't know how, uh, what he's going to look like at the start of next season, but I think that's something that I do look at. I think he's got great touch. I think he's very smooth uh, around the basket, even with his with his shot. When he's able to fake people out and just take those couple of dribbles in, I think he's really good at that. And so with DeWan, I think you raise the biggest question mark. It's whether or not there will be a G League season. And mm-hmm. So when he's not getting that playing time with the Raptors, is he able to get reps with the 905 and continue to work at his game? I think that's going to be the biggest uh, thing that we, uh, that we have to see as far as DeWan's development is concerned. Totally. Uh, well put. And yeah, I hope the G League gets the season in. I don't know if they will. It seems kind of untenable, but um, it would be helpful. The Raptors like to use that resource. It would be mm-hmm. very handy to have on hand. Um, but that seems like a good place to leave for today. We'll do the top 75 tomorrow, which frankly is just going to basically be the top 25 as we look where Pascal Siakam slots and OG Ananobi, uh, how further ahead on in number one is Kyle Lowry, probably much further. Uh, <laughs> I can't really illustrate that in the piece, but, uh, he's, he's way more out in front than he was a year ago and when he was already way out in front. So We'll get into that. Uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. Serge Ibaka, is he going to cre- creep into the top 10? I think probably yes, frankly. Um, we got a lot of great stuff to get to on tomorrow's episode. Go check out the piece at RaptorsHQ.com if you've not read part one. It's up there now. Part two will be up in the morning, so go check that out too. And we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode uh, with, our big, with our pal Big V. Big V, anything you'd like to promote before we wrap up here? You can check out my usual Raptors work with Complex and raptors republic and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob again i've for any footy fans out there any manchester united fans out there i've started a manchester united podcast called red couch manx and you can check that out on where whatever platform you get your podcasts and would definitely appreciate the support there are no manchester united fans what are you talking about unpopular (laughs) team the basically the sacramento kings anyway uh that's gonna do it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in as always you're all the best uh if you've not yet go check out last week's lineup of shows i was really proud of last week we had robel on for two parts talking about the draft katie and i two parts uh, moving the entire nba to canada and then dens from the obgms which if you have not yet listened to their album the ends go listen to it it's amazing it's so so good listen to it all weekend long uh that was a fun episode on friday as well if you've not yet checked that out so go listen to those tune in tomorrow as we break down ranking every raptor 2.0 or 3.0 part two and uh we'll talk to you then with another episode of locked on raptors
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.